I was in the south of France a few weeks ago for my friend's wedding. He was getting married in a village only reachable by a lonely bus and then a car. This lonely bus departed from the medium-sized Provence city of Nîmes. I had at least an hour before the bus would arrive to the Nîmes Central Station. I decided to cozy up in a Starbucks with a large cold brew. The price? Six euros. Of course, it was delicious, but man, did it go by fast. The next week, I decided to get away from it all and go to another Provençal village on a hillside in the Côte d'Azur, bordering on the French Alps called Vaison-la-Romaine. There happened to be a market day in the town. There were tables filled with spices with all kinds of configurations of herbes de Provence. Other stands overflowed with vegetables carrots, radishes, lettuce heads, and potatoes, tumbling onto each other and hanging over the edge. At last, I found the stand I was looking for, the long ice-filled tray, protected by slanted glass, upon which lay various species of fish. I looked for the fish I wanted and found it all the way at the end, the sardines. I purchased one pound, or about half a kilo. The price? Six euros. I then went home and fried up this fish. It gave me three meals worth of food. It also provided me with collagen, omega-3s, protein, and an array of vitamins which many people can only dream of finding in overpriced supplements. At this Starbucks at the Nîmes Central bus station, I paid six euros for, essentially, water and a handful of beans. With that same six euros, I could have purchased a two-pound or one-kilogram bag of coffee beans, supplying me with well over 100 future cold brews at home. The fish was obviously a good deal. But if I had gone to a restaurant and ordered sardines, I would have paid about 30 euros for a fraction of the amount. In fact, it is very difficult to even find sardines at restaurants. When one goes out to eat, foods tend to revolve around bread, sandwiches, wraps, pizzas, pastas, rolls, and focaccias. This is not because restaurants or airlines or football stadiums love their customers and want them to enjoy more and more delicious bread-based or grain-based products. It is because bread is extremely, extremely cheap. It can feed the masses. Sardines, on the other hand, cannot. By selling such cheap food to their customers at, perhaps, moderate prices, Restaurants are able to make enormous profits. As with the coffee, if the flour and yeast used to make the pretzel or the sandwich or the pita were to be purchased wholesale and baked in one's own kitchen, one could eat 100 rolls for the price of one. When I bought those sardines and fried them up, there is no question that I got my money's worth. And yet, when we go out to dinner or go for a coffee, we are essentially being robbed.
Shrift, Life Tip 50, Isaiah 61. I said that I got my money's worth when I bought those sardines, but in fact, what I really got was my labor's worth. Because the money that I have is a result of the income I've earned at my job through my labor. We all want to feel as though we are compensated for our labor, as though the work we put into a project is met with an equivalent payout. In fact, Karl Marx's central grievances were rooted in this sentiment. Marx wrote his Communist Manifesto in 1848 amidst a radically changing world. Before the Industrial Revolution, there was a clear direct line between the product of labor and the labor itself. If one was a farmer, one could witness the crops growing, grasp those grains and vegetables with one's own hands, and either eat them oneself or receive cash in exchange for them. If one sewed together sweaters made from lamb's wool, one largely saw the process from start to finish and received compensation for each step taken in the development of the sweater. The solo craftsman made the sweater from beginning to end and then sold it off at a fair price. Marx wished for workers to themselves own and control the means of production so that they would be fairly compensated for their labor. In short, Marx recognized that the closer the workers are to their product, in every possible sense of the word closer, the more free they would be from exploitation. The Industrial Revolution witnessed a disturbing distancing from the worker with the fruits of his labor. He no longer controlled the means of production. Instead, we might say, the means of production controlled him. Workers found themselves in factories in which they played a minuscule role in the creation of the final product to be sold off. Instead of being compensated for the good itself, they were paid for their time in the factory, and the factory owner, the boss, decided how much the worker's time was worth. The factory owner obviously wanted to render this wage as low as possible. Workers became easily replaceable and exploitable because they were so disconnected from the labor itself. Even though, in the aggregate, they all worked together, side by side, to create wonderful, expensive, and treasured goods to be sold all over the world, their pay had no relationship or equivalency to these goods they produced. In the pre-industrialized past, one's creation was one's compensation. Now. It was irrelevant how marvelous the product may have been, which one's labor allowed to come forth. Instead, one was only worth one's time in the factory, and time is perhaps as flimsy as the breeze. The Haftarah of Nitzavim is always read on the Shabbat just before Rosh Hashanah. It is also the final of seven consecutive readings from the book of Isaiah, which are collectively known as the Seven Haftarot of Consolation. A central theme of Isaiah's is that the Israelites will eventually return from exile to their homeland, and there will receive all of the gifts which had been promised to their forefathers. In verses 8 and 9 of chapter 62, Isaiah declares that Hashem will, quote, 
no longer give your corn to be food for your enemies, and strangers will not drink your wine for which you have labored. But those who gathered the crops will eat them and praise Hashem, and those who created the wine will drink it in my courtyards. With these verses, Isaiah, indeed, sounds like a proto-Marxist thinker. Like Marx, he believes that it is profoundly unfair and exploitative when one puts in the work to create a product and does not either get to himself enjoy that product or sell it for its monetary value. If you make the wine, you should be able to drink the wine, no? When we buy food wholesale and cook for ourselves at home, we come as close as reasonably possible, at least in the realm of our own nourishment, to realizing the dream of Isaiah and Marx. The price of food, when purchased directly from a farmer or even from a supermarket, does not and cannot vary all that much. It cannot vary because, when we buy food for ourselves to cook, there is a direct line between labor and product, between food maker and food eater. By contrast, when we go out to eat, prices vary tremendously. A cappuccino at one cafe might be eight euros, and at another, only two. An eggplant parmesan at a restaurant can range from 10 euros to 30 and beyond. The reason for this variance is that when one goes to a restaurant, one pays for so many intangible, incalculable, and ultimately rather worthless products. One pays for the service, for the atmosphere, for the chef, for the vibe, and for the convenience. These qualities, of course, have nothing to do with the actual value of the food being eaten. When I bought that cold brew from the Starbucks in Nîmes, about 1% of my six euro payment went to the actual beans, and 99% went to, well, I myself am not even exactly sure. And that was exactly Marx's point. When we become disconnected from the product of our labor, we send our money out into the wind. By contrast, when I bought those sardines, I knew that most of my money, my labor, was going to, well, the sardines themselves. Indeed, man doth not live on Starbucks coffee alone.